So uh, for me, when I was in sixth grade, uh, I was in sixth grade and my dad, he said, hey, Steve, um, I am, I'm going to start taking you out to lunch every Thursday. Now, I said innocently, great. That's awesome, Dad, that you're going to take me out to lunch every Thursday. What I didn't know is that his intent for taking me out to lunch every Thursday was actually to take me out so he could have the talk with me every Thursday. And so what he proceeded to do was to pick me up in sixth grade, take me to McDonald's. I still can't go to McDonald's anymore. Like, McDonald's is ruined. I just think sex when I walk into McDonald's now. It's awful. So, um, but he would take me to McDonald's, and, and then he would sit down and open up this book about, about sex. And we would, you know, we would, and it was very graphic, okay? Um, I don't know if a sixth grade, well, I guess now it's, who cares? But at sixth grade, at that time, I was like, Dad, should you be showing me this? He's like, no, you need to see this. And I said, okay. And I remember for, for him, and we've talked about this since then. I have a good relationship with my dad. That backfired on him. Now, it didn't backfire for my older brother or my younger brother. But for me, I'm, I'm a curious person. So if you guys tell me something or a statistic, I'm going to go look it up. If you guys bring something up that I don't know about, man, I'm like, ooh, tell me more. I want to learn about that. I love learning, and I'm very curious. Now, that is good, and it's bad. It was bad in college. It was bad middle school, high school. And, and so when we're reading and walking through this, what he didn't know he was doing was what he was actually feeding my curiosity. And so what happened as a result of that was not, oh, I'm never going to do that, but I want to try that. What is that really like? And, and, and so I remember I went on my own journey and through high school and that I, um, you know, I, I essentially explored, experimented and, and did what culture was doing. Sex became just, that was like a normal thing that I remember in our friend group, that was normal. It wasn't even like, oh my goodness, it was like a normal uh, thing. And so I, so I had kind of just like gone down that road and that was kind of, it, it, it wasn't even a big deal anymore. Um, I think for all of you, and maybe you, maybe you had some awkward conversations with a parent at some point, or maybe it wasn't even a parent, maybe it was a sibling, uh, or, or just somebody, maybe, maybe it was like, uh, if you grew up in church, maybe it was like a youth pastor, or, or some type of pastor, or, or spiritual figure in your life that, that pulled you aside and said, hey, I want to have this conversation with you, and I want to trick you into talking about sex, <laughs> like, essentially that's what they do, but uh, I think it's important for us to come at this topic with a blank canvas. Okay, so part of what I want to do is build this back up, our frame, our, our mindset of this from the ground up versus just going, hey, how do I fight against everything you've heard or seen and done? Because I understand and know that you all uh, are coming at this from totally different places based upon what uh, you've heard uh, or experienced with your peers, with your, uh, with your parents, uh, teachers, churches, uh, or pastors. Um, I remember uh, a friend invited me to a talk like this uh, in high school. Um, it was a youth group, and I remember going to it and sitting in, and the youth pastor at this church, um, he, he essentially was, was talking about, uh, you know, sex and that, and telling us why we shouldn't do it and that. And then at the end of the night, I remember uh, he, he says, okay, we're going to do something very special, very important tonight. Um, and, and he said, we're all going to sign a purity pledge. And I was like, 
what's that? And then I'm getting tapped on my shoulder. Hey, man, what is this? I was like, I don't know. Let's, let's see what he says. So literally, he says, one by one, we're all going to walk up here, and you're going to sign this document with a special pen that you can keep. And you're going to sign this. And it's, it's, it's for your future wife or your future husband. You're going to sign this saying you're not going to have sex, and then you're going to give it to him on your wedding night, this framed vow. And, 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 and it was like, now, it was a smaller group than this. And so you're like, what do, what do I do? Because at that time, I'm like, I ain't signing that. But then it was like, well, what do you do? So I remember we all, like, lined up. We signed it. Got our framed copy. Went back. And I think that was one of the most guiltiest moments I've ever had in any type of religious setting. Because <laughs> I signed something, I'm like, man, there ain't no way that I'm doing this. This is crazy. But how he presented it was, was in a way that, that there was an expectation that, that you have to believe this way. And if you don't believe this way, what are you doing here? Um, and so what, what I look back on that moment is not like, man, I mean, his intent, his desire was for us to be able to give this gift of, uh, you know, uh, you know of, of being a virgin to our spouse. And, and I understand, I get that. I think that, that his intent was great. I think his delivery was rough uh, because obviously uh, in that moment, you felt like I have, to, I have to think this way, believe this way. And it didn't give any space to go, wait a second, why should I believe that? Why should I want to sign that? And what if I disagree with you right now? And so tonight, we're not going to all come up here and sign the glass and you each get to cut a piece and take it home. You know, like we're not going to do that, okay? So if you've had those experiences, that's not happening tonight, okay? Um, I'm, I'm going to give you what God's word says, experiences, what it says, why it says what it says. And we're going to wrestle through this together. And we're going to talk about it. Because I, I know that you guys have a lot of baggage and things from your past. And, I, and personally, I don't, know your, I don't know what that is. Unless you've told me. I don't know how many of you in this room have not had sex. I don't know how many of you have had it. I don't know how many of you are having it uh, right now. Not this moment, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're podcasting, you should be listening to my voice right now and stop. But, you know... Um, I, I, I don't know unless you've told me. And I also don't know, and I'm very aware, that when you talk about this topic of sex, it brings up, for, for many people, extreme pain from what's been done or said to them or how they've been treated, manipulated, forced. I mean, horrible things. So I, I, I know that all of that is true uh, for, for, different, uh, for people that are different in this room. Um, I gave my life to Jesus and decided to follow him in college. That's why this, is, this talk is important to me. That's why I think it's so important for us, even if you've heard it or you've heard of, uh, or some sort of a talk like this. When I gave my life to Jesus in college, I was with a girl that I should not have been with. Okay, um, and uh, and and I probably knew I should. I probably knew she wasn't right for me anyway. But uh, you know, my value system was totally off at that time. And so I remember at that moment for me when I surrendered my life to Jesus, and and I knew I needed to follow Him. And and even in that moment when I was like, I know what I need to do. This girl's probably not right for me. I tried to convince her to 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 like to move with me to L.A. 
Because I remember I needed to get out. I needed to clean up. Um, I was doing a lot of things I shouldn't. And I needed to like totally get away from the sphere of influence that I was in and those people. And so I was going to move to L.A. And I was like, and, and I still kind of fought. I'm like, hey, you should move with me. And we could go down there and it'll work out. And I remember her like, no, like you're changing. I'm not. And so I was like, okay. Um, and I remember her like, and I don't trust you down there without me. And I was like, well, I guess that kind of seals it. So we broke up. And I remember um, after breaking up with her that, and, and I moved down to LA and that, and I, and I remember learning more from the Bible about like relationships, what it talks about when it comes to sex. And I started trying to implement these principles into my life. And as I understood it, and, 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 it, and it really grew uh, in my life and, and to the point where what's really cool is, is when I met my wife, uh, you know, there was, there was a commitment there that we're not going to, to have sex until we're married. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, and it was great because we fulfilled that and it was an incredible wedding and all that. But I say all that to say, like, um, sometimes I hear talks like this and I go, that person has no idea what I'm going through. That person has no idea. They, they, you know, they grew up in a bubble. They can't relate to the pressures I'm dealing with. They can't relate to culture. They can't relate to the U of O. They can't relate to Lane. They can't relate to this, the, uh, like, like what it's like to be here in the Northwest and that. And I think one of the, the things that, that I've been able to look on with my past is I feel like I have been a part of both those circles. And, and, and I feel like I've done the, I'm going to do what I want to do. And then I've also done the, I'm going to try this God's way. And, and so the value for me is that I can, I can tell you right now what has worked for me and what hasn't. Like I, like I can literally go back and go, yeah, I, I've done that and I hear what you're saying, but I've also done this and I can tell you how this plays out. And, and so for me, like I, I feel like I can speak from this place of moral authority on this topic for you guys. And, and also, you know, I've been a part of, I've been on a board of, of human trafficking organizations in San Diego. I've seen the pain of sex trafficking in that. Um, and, and, and so I know that there's so many different layers to this that's beyond even just, just me having sex, uh, you know, and, and that thought and, 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 and what that actually is. So our, my goal tonight is for us to understand what God's design for it is. So in the creation story, God sees what he's made. Adam and Eve, and, you know, in this world. And he says, it was good, and, and it brought God pleasure to see that, to see what he had made. In other words, he made uh, creation, and, 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 he, and he didn't go, oh, man, I missed that, didn't hit that right. I wish I could have done that a little better. No, it brought him pleasure. And, and Adam and Eve, in that place, they were naked and unashamed. Wow, usually there's at least one person's like, yes, Nothing. Okay, that's a great response. They were naked and unashamed, and God tells them this in Genesis 1.22. He says, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. Okay, so be fruitful and multiply. So he made everything. He said, This is great. This brings me pleasure. And then we see the intro to sex in the Bible. He says, I created you. You are great. I love what I've done, and now I want you guys to have sex and procreate. So what does that mean? Okay, because some of you are like, man, God is anti-sex. The Bible is anti-sex. God created sex. 
God designed and created sex. Okay, so, so what you need to understand right now and know about God is this. God is a God of freedom. You see that over and over again in the Bible. In fact, you see the people that are in opposition to God, they are more representing bondage. The people that follow God, you actually see this freedom in them, in their spirit, in how they walk, in how they live. So God is a God of freedom, and God is also a God of pleasure. God of pleasure. They brought him pleasure, and he said, I'm going to create this, and this is going to bring them incredible pleasure. So he created this uh, to bring pleasure pleasure. And, and when you think about when you follow him, you guys, in your life, God is not up there like that picture, that image with the magnifying glass, just trying to burn all your feelers off. That's not what he's trying to do. God is a God of pleasure. He takes pleasure in you, in creating you. And, 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 and he loves, he loves to bless his kids. He loves that. Okay, like, like, like he doesn't take pleasure in, in, in going, how can I make their life as miserable as possible? No, we make decisions in our lives to, to make them as miserable as possible. But what, what we see throughout the Bible is he's a God of freedom. He's a God of, of, of pleasure. And, and he, you didn't design you, he did. And we didn't create sex, he did. Okay, like, like sex didn't just happen. Adam and Eve didn't just randomly bump into each other one night and go, whoa, maybe we should try this. Like that didn't happen. He created it. He designed it. And so um, sex is a gift to us from God, a way to even experience him at a deeper level. It's talked about all throughout the Bible. In fact, there's a book in the Bible called Song of Solomon. Okay, Song of Solomon is in the Bible. It's literally erotic Jewish poetry of a king going to his love and then, getting, uh, and then them getting married and talking about each other's body parts and sex. It's hot, okay? It just is. It, Song of Solomon. Some of you are like, ooh, how do I save that? Where's that at in the Bible? I heard him say that. Okay, Song of Solomon. I'm gonna just read a little bit, okay? I don't want it to get out of control in here. You know, I know how you guys are, you know. Okay, I'm gonna keep it under control, okay? In chapter four, verse 16. <laughs> I gotta tell you guys something though before I read it. So we're buying our house, okay? We bought a house like a year ago. <laughs> we're buying our house. My realtor goes, hey, Steve, as we're looking at this house. Now, this house that we bought, um, we love the house, but it was like a, a style that is gnarly, okay? Very gnarly. And, 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 and the people, like, I mean, maroon everywhere, maroon and gold. And, and I remember <laughs> we walk in and we're looking at the artwork. And like, you could tell a lot about someone by the artwork on the wall. And we're like, mm, man, these people are weird. Like, it's some funky stuff going on. There was some stuff going on in this house. And my realtor goes, Steve, Steve, you gotta come into this. You gotta come into the kitchen. I go, the kitchen? He says, yes, look at what's on the wall. On this wood, piece of wood, the husband had written out this I don't know what it was. I don't even know what you call it. This love thing to his wife. And it was some of the most graphic things. I, had, I, I didn't even know. Have you ever read something? You go, I didn't even know you could put that thought into the human language. Like literally, they created new things in how he was describing her body, what they would do together in the kitchen. Man, imagine if you were at their house, you're eating, and you're just like, what's on the wall? 
And they were old. So you're like, and they'd probably be like, you know, like, you know, the creepy ones, like, you know, like, oh yeah, we still got it. Uh-huh. Look at the wall. Okay. Um, anyway, every time I read Song of Solomon, I think of what they wrote and I go, man, like, they might have outdone him on that one. Like, and that's pretty impressive. I'm like, man. In fact, we've tried to find like an image of that because it's, it'll rock your world. Okay. Um, chapter four, verse 16. Let me read this. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Now, remember, this is a couple talking to each other. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind. Blow upon my garden, let its spices flow. Then she says, let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. Then he says, chapter five, verse one, I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. Now, sister didn't mean like sister, sister. My sister, my bride. I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my, my wine with my milk. Then we see another part here of chapter one where it says, eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. Now, here's what's fascinating about this, okay? Not like how this, you know, these two lovers are, are talking to each other. They didn't have text or, you know, so, but it's not so much how they're talking to each other, but what you see here at the end of verse one, when it says, eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. Do you know who's saying this? God. God is saying this to them. And that's, isn't that crazy? So, like, you hear all of this, like, oh, God is so, uh, and like, uh, and like, oh, he's, yeah, he just wants my life to be miserable and, like, never have any fun and all this. And, and I look at that and I go, do you read the Bible? Now, this is a husband and wife, but look, look what he said. Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. That is God saying, you get after it. You love each other. You get drunk with love for each other. You enjoy this. God is pro-sex in the way that he's designed it. And the way he's designed it is for maximum pleasure, maximum fulfillment. His way. Okay, so that's what important. That's what's important, right? So um, he designed it, he created it, and he's saying, "I designed it, I created it. If you do it my way, I, it will bring the maximum amount of pleasure, fulfillment that I have designed and created it to bring into your life as a gift to you." Okay, and 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 so uh, sometimes I hear, "Oh, well, biblical times, man, it was totally different, like totally different situation." No, actually, when you read back historically, you see sex was crazy back then, just as it is now. In biblical times, uh, it was a huge part of the culture. In ancient Rome, uh, adultery was so common it was only considered adultery if you cheated on your spouse with someone else who was actually married. That's the only time it counted. Uh, prostitution, normal. Uh, sex with slaves, normal. When Paul writes about sex in, uh, when he's writing to the church at Corinth, in Corinthians, we're going to look at uh, some of these. When he writes about sex, he's writing to a culture who had gods that they worshipped, whose priestesses were temple prostitutes. 
So part of them worshiping was through these different orgies. It was crazy. So in Corinth, there were thousands of prostitutes. So it was a normal thing back in those days. And even in today's world, we see all of those things being become so normal. And you go, well, it's not in the streets. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's on our phones, on your computers, uh, in your laptop, all, all that. But, it, but it's very much normal like it was then. And, and like to the point where, hey, if you, you know, like you think of today and the mindset, if I feel like having sex, like, like, like you should just be able to have sex. You're encouraged to have sex. You are, you feel pressured to have sex. If you're not having it, what's wrong with you? If you're in a relationship with someone else, you're not having sex. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with them? It's literally viewed like eating. If you're hungry, you eat. It's treated like, like it's just this physical act that you do because you just need a release. It's like, it's almost like working out, um, like, like crazy. I want you to just think about that. Like, like we treat it almost like, like it's just this physical response, like, like we're a hamster. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what that looks like. Or a rabbit or, or something. Um, in seventh grade, seventh grade math class, our teacher had an iguana, two of them. I'll never forget. He's in the middle teaching, and it was math. I hate math. And he's teaching, and all of a sudden, the whole class is like, and the iguanas were just going at it. While, while, he was, while he was talking. And, and, and you think about like how we talk and speak about sex is literally like that. For a lot of us, that's even our expectation. It's just like this, this physical response. I feel it. I need it. Like that's literally how we treat it. The problem is you and I are not animals. We weren't, we weren't created the same. And as much as we'd love maybe for culture to be right about this, maybe even you're trying to convince yourself that culture's right about sex, not being a big deal. What you've actually experienced deep down, if you've had it, is that it actually is a big deal. It's not like a workout at the gym. Sex is different. It's literally wired 